This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hi, LSPod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to The Love Strangers, a Swindon Town fan podcast with me, Rich Pullen. Proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. to the Low Strangers podcast, the perfect solution to the stress and the strain. Nobody's asked me why I'm using that slogan, but hey, someone will figure out eventually. For the first segment, I'm joined by my ever-trusted Ben Wills. Hello, Ben. Hello, Rich. How the devil are you, sir? Uh, well, you know the drill. We've recorded, uh, well, we're recording about 50 minutes post-Chelsea Liverpool, so uh, I could be better, but um, I won't let it ruin my weekend too much, even if the tenor of my voice could... Uh, could deplete as we go on across this uh, podcast recording. The chores of two teams, because your team, Chelsea, lost at time recording Sunday, but your other team, Swindon, also lost in midweek, which is the game that you're here to cover. Exactly. I mean, I can definitely focus on the, the win of the weekend, but sadly I'm I'm tasked with uh, reviewing the, the bad midweek defeat. So even though I am on a high from Swindon winning, I've, I've got the unenviable task of talking about the defeat. So I will still be uh, slightly moody, even if it, generally Swindon are doing OK and the weekend was good. Well, look, we're not going to go crazy on this because we did bounce back and Terry is on the pod a bit later to talk about that. But Swindon Town nil. Colchester United 3 for the second time this season because, of course, we lost in the EFL Cup at Colchester by the same scoreline a couple of months or a month or so ago. Started out all right by the looks of it for Swindon, but we fell behind on injury time when Tom Eastman headed home from a Connor Bramhall corner. I described him as remember him in the last pod. Well, he came back to haunt us, and that was Theo Robinson who scored two. The first in the 55th minute, poking an effort from afar, which Luke McCormick really should have saved, but we'll talk about that in just a moment, and then 15 minutes before the end, Theo Robinson again with a clinical finish after Town were seemingly petrified by Frank Noble's run. 3-0, is that a fair reflection of what went wrong? Ben, the floor is yours. Yeah, a lot to unpack in that. I'm not, is it a fair scoreline? Probably on balance, yes. Uh, I'm not sure if Cinder were completely dominated in a 3-0 sort of way, but 
the first half I kind of thought Sunderland were okay. I think for 44 of the 45 minutes, it was sort of what I, what I was expecting. And, you know, like I said, you know, countless times, I, I, I dare to think how many times I've said it on this podcast, that the first half was exactly as I expected many first half under under Wellens at home. You know, it's uh, the team the team will bank in and Sunderland will play nice stuff. Didn't have many shots on goal, but they were they were trying and they were um, recycling the ball and moving it about. And and to be fair, for 44 of the 45 minutes, I was just impressed with Colchester's setup rather than worrying about Swindon. Swindon weren't brilliant, but I don't think they were um, terrible in any sense. We just can sort of break them down. And then in so many ways, we've, we've seen uh, that, that sort of first half so many times in the sense that Swindon have, have been sort of productive and, and dominating the play. And, you know, right at the, right at the end of the half, um, the opposition team have taken the lead. So, that goal was sort of just a, an old bloody hell moment where, you know, Swindon were fine with that being brilliant and then they've been punished with a goal right at the end that will give Colchester all the um, impetus going into the second half. So, so yeah, Swindon were OK, not brilliant, and that, that, that goal really was a, a sucker punch going into the half-time break, which they didn't really deserve. For all the wonderful stuff that we've seen under Richie Wellens' tenure, as you've sort of implied, his Swindon town sort of have these blips in their locker, don't they? It's just a case that um, I think we'll get onto it later, but we've seen the home games where I think every home game we've had so far, the teams have banked in at, at some point. It's just been a case of against so-called weak opposition against um, Morecambe and Maxfield. They found a way through in the harder games, Northampton and Colchester, they haven't. And Carlisle, a bit of a funny one, you probably say they are one of the harder teams as well, but we managed to, to score three goals there as well. So I think there could be a, a general worry where the better teams sort of work and but Swindon have got to figure out a way to, to break them down like they have um, with um, Walker, Maxford, and and hopefully many others this season, but I think that there could be a a, a dangerous ish theme where the, any team that's half decent is succeeding currently, and um, it's only the the weaker in inverted commas that West Virginia have been able to to break them down and get the goals they need to secure the three points. Our man in Guangdong, Jack Tanner, asks obvious question, but was this Colchester game just a blip or a sign it's all going to fall apart before Christmas? Of course, we have beaten Cambridge since then but the way our scores are going the way our runs are going the way our points to game ratio are going it seems more towards a blip I'm tempted to say neither to that question I think only because I don't I don't think it's going to be a sign that we're going to fall off for Christmas or anything like that but I don't think it's a, a one-off either in, in many senses because um, you know, like I touched upon, it's the the better teams are, um, are, are securing the wins. I, I follow both be draws, but they are they are securing wins, and I think there could be a case where um, you know the the, the so called stronger teams in this league, you know, the likes of I don't know Mansfield and Exeter and Plymouth and Bradford and spoiler alert, my prediction later Newport could actually succeed in in keeping Swindon out, whereas um, the weaker teams don't quite. So. It's it's a blip in the sense it's free now. I don't think they deserve to be beaten that heavily, but I think it's a it's, like I said a start of a worrying trend. That any any team that's sort of okay will is succeeding in, in keeping um, this sort of high pressing, high octane Wellens team out so far. We'll talk about Tom Broadbent in a minute, but we lost Matthew Baudry to injury in that first half. There were a lot of people unhappy with a few things that happened off ball, maybe the things that the referee got missed. I think it was involving Theo Robinson. Was that just like passionate Swindon fans being outraged or was there a case for some skullduggery there? Yeah, I think so. I think it's it's a you know a, a bad journalist trait that during to having to cover the game, I, I tend to follow the ball rather than anything else because, you know, if something happens and I miss it, that'd be, that'd be terrible. But I, I don't think there was anything... Too malicious from the culture side. I think it's just a, I think I think Baldry got a slight kick to the ankle. I think in, in one um, sort of um, movement to get him down, and then two minutes later he was he was down again. So that that ended his evening um, pretty soon. So I think they, there would have been a bit of sort of nasty sort of side play from Colchester to get him injured. But I don't think it's I think it's pretty standard football and stuff. I don't think it was anything unique that Colchester would have done to as opposed to any other team. So um, so yeah, a bit of. A bit of skullduggery, as we said, but nothing to um, get overly um, angry about or like demanding a, I don't know, a red card or anything like that about. I don't think. Sure. So Tom Broadbent came on as Baudry's replacement. He didn't have a game to remember, and he was dropped from the squad outright for the Cambridge United game. Wellens talked post Cambridge about keeping faith in players when he referencing probably. Iandolo and McCormick, who didn't have great games against Colchester, but went on to have great games against Cambridge. But it kind of contradicts himself because Broadbent falls off the radar completely. 
there's a lot of rumours and things about broadband behind the scenes that I don't really want to go into because well, I don't know if they're true or not, but there certainly seems to be something that's happened from when Broadbent joined, when he started so promisingly, and the way he played, or the way he has played this season, because, I mean, I saw his performance against Chelsea under-21s, and he just looked like a completely different player. He looks uneasy, and and quite the opposite of how he was looking in, in a squad that wasn't even as good as it is now. So, I mean, it, it seems like a terrible shame for him at the moment. Yeah, I'm not sure how to respond to that, to be honest. I think it's... Um... Obviously, a, a massive shame that he's, he's sort of fallen so far behind the pecking order, and it's you know no surprise that even though Wellens had a, a fair amount of centre backs in the club at the start of the summer, he still brought in Baldry and formerly Ballard, who had to go back due to injury. So I think even during the summer, it seems that Broadbent sort of fell behind the pecking order, even though Wellens sort of only sent him in January, and that was a an early intent of, of, of Wellens um, sort of putting the squad in his image, signing the defender to a what was then a two and a half year contract. So. Yeah, doesn't it doesn't look great that Broadbent's fallen so far out of favour and um, you know a worrying sign that he's out of the squad completely. So, like you said, I, I don't want to comment on the um, uh, the rumours about his personal life either or anything like that. So I, I have to assume it's done to done to on pitch reasons, and hopefully he can find his way back. But clearly, he won't be helped by Friday's impressing in a somewhat on off the extent about role as well. So, for all intents and purposes, doesn't look great for Broadbent going forward. And meanwhile, Taylor Curran just sits there on the bench. So, you know, you've got Broadbent who comes in, plays, doesn't play well, disappears. Friars comes back in, plays come, plays go. Taylor Curran just stays static on the bench. Seems very odd. Yeah, I wonder what's going to take for Curran to be trusted. I think a lot of people um, won't be seeing, uh, won't be rushing to get Curran in because Friars has been has been fine. But it, it, it's odd that, you know, uh, even Broadbent's complete, what should we say, fall off in form has not led to Curran getting in. But I think he'll have to by this time and he, he might get in now that Broadbent is so far off it and, uh, and obviously Ballard's got sent back and Romanski's on loan so um, yeah, Karen will be happy with, for, for the bench places I'm sure and maybe if he um, buys his time he might, might get in sooner rather than later mm. Mark Kirkman observes that every time a player has been put under pressure to play for his place the reaction has been fantastic as mentioned before Iandolo and McCormick who played brilliantly against Cambridge and Anderson all season, shows great character and team spirit. So that's a real plus from the last couple of days. Yeah, definitely. I, I'd be lying if I said I expected only the one change at the weekend, and that was the enforced one. I would have thought certainly Bender would have came in after McCormick's gaffe um, in midweek, but I'm not a manager for very good reason, and, and yeah, Wellens backed that on bicycle in a relatively comfortable 1-0 win. So... So yeah, all, all good that um, players are responding and that's that's sort of what you want because I think it could be a, a dangerous precedent if uh, <laughs> Wellens is sort of publicly sort of cast aside Broadbent and, and players could have responded to that and, and been solidarity with a teammate and they've, they've responded well with that as well. So, and that's all good. And I, I think rotation will come sooner rather than later. Wellens has said it more than once um, in post-match press conferences, but certainly everyone's responding to, um, to not being dropped so far, even if they do have uh, one or two bad games. Something I really love about Richie Wellens as we begin to close the Colchester game is his post-matches are pretty much the same whether they win, lose or draw. What what was what was it like post-match against Colchester? Kind of strange. I think uh, it's rare that a manager publicly... I, I don't like to say in front of fans of the bus, but it was pretty bad that he said it. it even though he was taking responsibility for saying it's, it's my fault for the bad change, he, he, he pretty pointedly was saying that Broadbent wasn't a good sub, um, sort of passing the ball to him rather than himself in, in a backwards way. So that was that was strange, but I think we have seen that from Wellens a few times. I think uh, we mentioned it towards the end of last season where he'd sort of publicly say a player wasn't quite good enough and you know he's, he's done it again this season. So hopefully that hasn't damaged Broadbent too much, but I think that it was a pretty standard Wellens press conference apart from that. And I don't think he overly worries about one result being bad because that generally they have, they have responded you know a few days or, or the following week so he's saying he should have brought on friars instead or current i suppose yeah or yeah pretty much so um so yeah he basically said it was a bad sub and yeah. he take responsibility but in sees that broadband is very much taken the uh taking the brunt of that um that bad sub and inverted commas so so yeah maybe i think it probably worked out for the best anyway because uh friars wouldn't have been 100% going into that Tuesday so a few more days off may, maybe would have um, made a difference going into that Cambridge game where Friars 
um, by the sounds of it did impress. Before we go to the Sting and then on to Terry and Cambridge United, is there anything else you want to close with regarding the Colchester game? Uh, no, I think we've covered the uh, the worst of it. I, th- I, I think I, I can only sort of um, echo what I said earlier. Was that the first half wasn't too bad, just a, a case of sooner we'll need to slightly improve and, and being a bit more dynamic in, in breaking those teams down. And, and you know, the, the second half is not much to say because it, the, 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 the second goal came in like so soon after the half-time break and it was a bad error by McCormick and then the, the third goal sort of killed it all off and there's sort of no response uh, for that. So... Definitely not a good Tuesday night, but hopefully it's you know a once-off, and we don't see that too often over the course of the season. Robinson thrashing this one across, and cleared only to Mark Waters. Can he make room for the shot? Blocked, but there's Haller. A brilliantly driven in equaliser from Kevin Haller. You're listening to the Low Strangers podcast, proudly sponsored by the STFC official supporters club. Hello, Terry. Good morning. You have had the atrocity of Colchester in the Cup. You've had the swashbuckling late in Orient away. This seemed to be a different victory for Swindon this season compared to the others. Yeah, absolutely. And and very much needed after uh, Colchester at home on Tuesday. It was completely different to Orient in every in every sort of aspect and I think you know we'll, we'll talk about it at length over the next sort of period on the pod but my general read of it is that Cambridge you know I'm, I'm guessing here but Cambridge would have had someone at, at Orient watching us and would have just absolutely cacked themselves I think and uh for one for one of a better phrase on a Sunday morning they they were so pedestrian and, and, and particularly first half stood off us and played so deep and were just absolutely terrified. And we, you know, first half we played very well, but there wasn't that intensity. There wasn't that pressure. There wasn't that sort of, as you said, that swashbuckling sort of marauding wave after wave of counterattack. It was almost like we were a little bit shell-shocked after Tuesday and wanted to feel our way back into being a semi-capable uh, football team. And Cambridge were just absolutely petrified. So the opening period was very, very underwhelming. Not underwhelming is, is the wrong word. It was very, very um, subdued from both teams. And, and it, you know, given the sort of very unseasonable, glorious weather we had as well, someone um, who I was there with commented it, it, it genuinely felt like a pre-season friendly at times or almost like a sort of last day of the season when neither team had anything to play for. It was very, very subdued to begin with. And I think that was fine for us. I think we, we, we showed patience, both the players and the fans. There was no frustration. We kept the ball very well. Cambridge didn't threaten. They stood off us. And slowly, slowly, we sort of played our way into the game first half and, and, and obviously nicked the goal. And, and that was pretty much what we deserved from that first half performance. If we take it a step back, as we've discussed, Town were thoroughly dismantled and figured out by Colchester and Colin Collingwood's Cambridge United, for all of their sort of uh, fears during the game against Swindon, they just recorded back-to-back wins against pretty decent opposition in Crewe and Mansfield. What were your expectations as you approached the the Abbey Stadium? Really mixed, to be honest. Um, like you said, on the one hand, they've gone away to Crewe and Mansfield, back-to-back away games and won. On the other hand, on paper, I think their squad looks pretty poor. And, and, and I had them down before the season to not go down. I think there's two worst teams in the league, but to certainly sort of struggle towards the bottom half of the table. Um, certainly didn't see them as a threat for the playoffs or anything like that. So very sort of mixed expectations. And the, the general vibe with them, and obviously they went to Brentford and won in the, in the Football League, in the League Cup as well early, earlier on in the season. The general sort of read with them is that they're much better away from home than they are at home. And if you watch them the first 20 minutes yesterday, you can sort of see why, because they sit very deep, two banks of four, they're you know, pretty, pretty big and dominant in the air at the back. And then they just bang it up to Richards and Smith every time they get the ball. And, and and Richard's fair play to me, he was up for it. He, he started well, things stick to him. He dominated Conroy at times. He certainly dominated the two fullbacks when he pulled onto them, which we know he can do. You can see the tools that they have to, to see how they could be a sort of fairly decent functioning side at this level, which is, which is sort of how I read them, but away from home more than at home. Where when the onus is on them, they, they didn't they really didn't look to have much quality at all. A common theme when me and you talk is, and we're both in agreement on this, is 
football coaches and managers they're they're paid to make the decisions but after the three nil there was a lot of talk from fans about well he's got to go he's got to go he's got to go as in be dropped um but Wellens only one made one change and that was because Baldry was out and Friars came into the middle and poor old Tom Broadbent disappeared from the squad. Were you happy with that with that selection pre three o'clock? Happy with it in so much as that, you know, I'm getting to the point now with Wellens where I where I sort of just trust him and I'm not gonna call him out on decisions. I did think there would be more changes. Um more from a I don't think I don't think dropping I think Dropping would have been harsh. You've got to bear in mind, Colchester, especially with the way that we bounced back yesterday, Colchester is hopefully a blip and we are still running along at two points a game and we won four of our last five. So it's still a very good team. What I would have been tempted to do, probably more Tuesday, but certainly after Tuesday, was just to maybe freshen up a little bit. I would have bought Doughty in for, for, for Rose, potentially, um, and maybe just rotated the front four, took and maybe is growth or or Anderson out just to sort of keep it fresh but but I certainly wasn't sort of expecting or wanting wholesale changes um you and I spoke last time after Orion about Bender and McCormick and I think that is that I think there's two big decisions yesterday one was to stick with McCormick which I think he, he played very well yesterday and I think you know, fair, fair play to Wellens and fair play to McCormick the whole point of bringing Bender in is either to play him or to get more out of McCormick and the other one, I think, was almost made for for Wellens. I think if Baudry is fit yesterday, then I think he's got a big decision yeah. with Friars or Iandolo. Baudry not being fit, Friars comes in at left centre back, and I think I think um, you know that decision sort of made itself. So if Baudry's fit, then that that is a huge decision. Luckily, Iandolo played and, and was probably our man of the match, and certainly was the. The only one who who had that real moment of quality, which is one of some away game, which is what you need at this level. Well, let's stick with Iandolo, because as you say, 27 minutes, Rose with a nice through ball to Woolery. He flicks it into an open space. Whether he knew Iandolo was there or not, I'm not sure, but it finds him. He collects, he weaves through Kyle Noyle, and Greg Taylor tries to bring him down. But he finds it across the goal, and Jerry Yates is at the far post to tap the ball home. That's what we see. So the people that weren't at the game see the highlights, and we see, brilliant, well done, Iandolo. But he was man of the match yesterday, in your opinion. Yeah, even just um, even just his general play was very good, I thought. And Wellens in his post-match said that before the goal, they were getting a little bit frustrated with him. Um, and I understand why. Um, he was... I think he does have a, little, a tendency to turn back inside and play an easier pass than drive forward, which is obviously what Wellens wants more from him. Yeah. Um, but his his physicality has improved so much. He now does have the ability to run past players and shake players off, and, or hold the ball up, or you know hold off two men and lay it back for a, for a cross or whatever. I think he, 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 his development that has been unbelievable, and I think. The one thing that I've certainly forgotten, I think many sort of fans have forgot with regards to Iandolo, is that he actually was receiving glowing reports all pre-season mm. and was very close to the first team for the for the opening game or two and then picked up that concussion and disappeared um, for two or three weeks, which if he hadn't of, he would have been in and around the first team the whole season. It's not like he's sort of come back in from the wilderness to take this place. I think he was... You know, Wellens talks about having 15, 16 first-team players. I think he was always considered as one of them. But since since Fries has gone out and he's coming at left-back, I think particularly in the, away, in the away games, he's he's really, really just impressed physically. I think we know he's good on the ball, but physically he's come on so much. And he was very good yesterday. And I think the great thing was that Fryers came in at left centre-back and was absolutely solid as a rock up against... Richards and Smith to begin with, and then they brought on Jabo Abire as well. And you know, between Abire and Richards, they must have a, a, a thousand football league appearances. Got you know, combined age of about one hundred and six. And Zaki Fries is playing playing centre half, and and his athleticism and his his power um, really sort of allowed him to compete physically with those guys, which is no mean feat when you're not necessarily a natural centre half. And I think. We'll see how it goes, but if Baudry's out for another couple of weeks and Friars plays like he did yesterday, 
I think, yeah, you, 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 there is an argument to suggest that back four that we had yesterday could be in situ for, for a fair while. And Wellens, of course, will defend this by saying there's going to be a lot of changes over the season. So Baudry's going to, I think he's going to be happy to sit on the bench for one or two because he's at an age and has a history record in the last year of somebody who probably would benefit from a couple of extra weeks sat on the bench instead of going straight in. Absolutely. And I think, you know, football's changed. It's very rare to have 12 or 13 players that play 40 plus games in a season. You're more likely to have 16, 17 players who are playing 25, 30 games a season. That's the whole point of building this squad that Wellens has tried so hard to do. So if Baudry sits out for a couple of games because Ellis is in great form and Fries has done well at centre-half, then, you know, so be it. In the same way that Keshi picked up an injury yesterday, if he's out for a couple of weeks, Woolery comes in, does well. You know, it, 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 you, we don't have a first eleven. That's not a thing. Mm. It, we have a we have a first team squad of 15, 16 players, and on any given Saturday, you pick the best eleven from that sixteen, seventeen players to to go and get result against whoever you're playing. As simple as that. Yeah, yeah. Keshi Anderson went off injured in the first half, which is becoming a bit of a recurring theme at the moment, and we're getting away with it just about. Um, how was Kane when he came on? Because it's been a few weeks since he had that prolonged amount of minutes. I thought he was really good. Um, but what I will say is that he was also struggling with injury. Yeah. I know Wellen said it after the game in his post-match that he was having problems with his knee. But you could tell that he wasn't, particularly as the game wore on, he wasn't 100% fit. Yeah, I guess the only the only sort of cloud coming over the horizon after yesterday for me is, are we sort of just accumulating knocks and niggles and strains? And is that because of the way we play? Is that because of the way we train? Like pure bad luck? Who knows? Um, there are clubs with far more injury issues than us. Um, but, you know, if Keshi's out for a couple of weeks, Kane's not 100% fit. I don't think Isgrove has ever been 100% fit in his, in his, you know, certainly not recently. And, 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 and it's openly, openly known that he's sort of being managed pain-wise. So, that, you know, there is that, there is that concern. But, um, that, that's why you have a squad. That's why you rotate your forward players. And, and, and we've got strength in depth that is better than 80, 90% of this league. I'm following this game via text, really. Um, I'm on top of the Westbury White Horse during this match. So not literally, but on the hill anyway. I see that Danny Rose and Lloyd Isgrove get substituted after an hour or so in the uh, in the second half. Is that good game management by Wellens on that front because there's an injury problem there? And Lloyd looked like he could quite possibly get sent off looking at the uh, challenge he put on Noyle, even though he'll defend that it wasn't a foul. It seemed like Wellens read that, both situations, quite well. Yeah, on the Isgrove one, I thought it was funny, you know, looking at his Twitter exchange last <laughs> night with who I'm assuming is his brother, yeah. saying, you know, not even a foul and, you know, he was getting egged on to headbutt him and they, all the Cambridge, you know, the Cambridge players were obviously trying to rile him up. I think that, that, Isgrove challenge was a, 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 was had been building over the sort of six or seven minutes before. Obviously, if you watch that challenge, he gets pulled back by Noyle. It should have been a foul. Um, it should have been a yellow card, and, and it should have been a swindon free kick. It's not given, and but but literally, sort of at sixty seconds before that, Isgrove's been on the end of sort of two or three heavy challenges. Then number nineteen, who you'll have to excuse me, I, I don't recall who it was, but no. he was playing left wing back and. You know, the guy should have been booked three times in the first half alone. He was, how he stayed on the pitch is unbelievable. Isgrove was on the end of some heavy treatment. And I just think, I don't think he lost his head, but I do think that it was just good management from Wellens that, you know, he was obviously flustered, frustrated. We've got, we've got depth there. He shouldn't be playing 90 minutes every week anyway. So I think that, that, is, that is a smart swap. Isgrove yesterday, it wasn't at his best. It wasn't at his best in terms of like how we've seen him against Orion, you know, really driving forward and, and creating a lot of chances. He was still very good on the ball, but I do think that he was maybe a couple of percent off his best in terms of his off the ball work. There was a couple of times where we've gone down the left, the ball's come in, and he's 15, 20 yards away from the back post. Whereas I don't know what Wellens are telling them, but for me, if one winger's crossing, I want the other winger steaming into the back post every time. So I think he, he wasn't he wasn't at his absolute sparkling best. And also he was a little bit frustrated. He picked up a yellow. I think it's a, a smart a smart change. The Rose Doughty one, as I said, I would have probably gone with Doughty over Rose uh, from the start, personally. But I just think that's just 
he's trying to get minutes into Doughty. He's trying to integrate him back into the first eleven. And Rose did absolutely nothing wrong. I think he's a, probably a, you know an underrated cog in what this team is doing at the minute. Um, I just think that's a that's a, a standard swap for a player who's had injury problems, and, and you've got probably your one of your standout players on the bench coming back from suspension. That's not weakening the team in any way. It sort of um, yeah makes make sense that change for sure. Uh, there was a period in the second half where we had I think it was, you know three men down injured at one time, and the Cambridge physios treating Anthony Grant while our physios treating Woolery. It was just, it was just a little bit like, a little bit of a mess at times. Um, and I do think physically we're asking a lot of our players, um, and, but I just think that's that's the way Wellens plays, and, and he's we've got to trust him that he's built a squad and can manage that squad through his demands. Well, at least we haven't got a midweek fixture this coming week so we can uh, rest up for what will be a very tricky game against Newport. There were a couple of players um, who were at Swindon on the pitch um, for Cambridge. Both played last season. We've talked about uh, Richards, but it wasn't a great day for Kyle Noyle despite picking up the Man of the Match award that day. Yeah, it's funny. I could only assume that because it was his, uh, it was his big day, he sponsored the match himself I don't know who knows how he got man of the match I've got absolutely no idea he wasn't awful he was playing sort of a high like a high full back wing back but did nothing if he wasn't if he wasn't an ex-player you wouldn't have noticed him in any way at all you know it yeah. just wasn't just wasn't a factor in the game um, a great great moment sort of 20 seconds after he was announced as man of the match, much to the sort of amusement and derision from the away end. That he just sort of picked up a ball, bearing in mind they're pushing, and that you know they've 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 got four centre forwards at this point. He picks up the ball, goes to play a diag, and just scoops it out of play for a throw, um, which sort of summed his game up. Iandolo um, had him on toast for the goal. It, it it just looked honestly, he looked like a average League Two right back. There was nothing nothing stood out at all, which is. Um, which is fine by me, that's for sure. <laughs> Amen to that. Did Was there any situation, because highlights show McCormick make a couple of good saves, good height for a goalkeeper, but good saves nonetheless, he's got to make them. Was there any point when you're stood in that away end thinking, it's coming, that equaliser is on its way, or was it very comfortable in that respect? No, I think when, obviously when you go to these, you know, any away game, particularly a, a club like Cambridge, who, who I quite like, it's a nice ground there, you know, it's a nice place to go. Mm. But they do play a certain style of football and they are very direct and they have got, by the time they bring a beer rate on, they've got three absolute monsters up front. You know, they are going to go direct and get the ball into a box and, and that's where all of their chances came from. The, 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 the one real chance, I think it was Richards, but that, that forced the header from McCormick is a really good chance and I think it's a decent enough save. Um, the ball actually broke and McCormick pulled off a, an arguably even better save from the rebound, but it turns out that the guy was offside or the ball had gone out or, or, or some, for some reason didn't matter. They had a spell. They had five or ten minutes where they, where they sort of cranked the pressure. And, and, but as the game wore on, I actually think we were, we were particularly wasteful on the counter and we've wasted five or six unbelievable opportunities where if we make the right pass, make the right decision, we've got tapping, you know. Mm-hmm. Doughty, Doughty has had two or three openings where I think if he's not sat on the bench for the last three games, he probably makes a better decision quicker. Uh, Woolery's gone through and a lot a lot of the away and wanted him to shoot from a tight angle on his weaker foot. I think he did the right thing to try and cut in, bearing in mind he had three players sort of screaming for, for, for the pullback and a tap in and, and the defenders just got something on him, got it away from him. There was multiple occasions and I think if realistically on balance of play, if anyone was going to score the second goal of that game, it would have been us. One of the accusations that was fired at Swindon after the Colchester game is we haven't beaten anyone good yet, which I think is a bit unfair. By your review there, it sounds like the people who have that opinion will will maintain that until the games that are coming up. They will maintain it. They will maintain it. And I will maintain that that is, like you, a, a, an unfair and, and I'd go probably further and say just a bizarre opinion. I think if you are the top four or five teams in this league, which we so far are and would hope to be for, for the rest of the season, 80% of teams in the league aren't as good as you. Um, so I think, you know, when they say we haven't beaten anyone good, OK, so if we go to Plymouth and win... Is that a better result than going to Cambridge and winning? 
Well, arguably no, because if Cambridge had won yesterday, they'd have been level on points with us. Yeah. Cambridge, Plymouth are 19th. So we're just going off perception and budget and, and who we think is a good club and who we think is not a good club. Crew are absolutely flying. If we got to crew in, in, in two weeks' time and get, and get anything, or sorry, not two weeks, three weeks' time, get anything out of that game will be a fantastic result. A, way, a far better result than, you know, turning over, say, Salford at home, who who haven't adjusted to life in the league at all well, but people like to talk about them doing well. So I don't buy into this. We haven't been anyone good yet. At the end of the day, everyone we play everyone twice and we've got to go along at somewhere close to two points a game for the whole season to have a chance of winning the league. And, and that's what we're doing. So the fixture list, when we looked at it in July, has now... Newport County home, Bradford City away, Plymouth Argyle home and Crew away. Probably one of the trickier on paper runs. How are you feeling going into those? On paper, nervous. But then I, I remember, you know, try and think about it a bit more. Look at last year and, and, and we had a fantastic record away from home against the sides doing well. Mm. Um, one at MK Dons, one at Berry. So I don't think we should go into those games being being anxious or being daunted at the end of the day we've these are harder games for the the teams we're playing than they are for us you know Plymouth welcoming us is a tough game for them Um, us hosting Newport is a really tough game for Newport and I think that's the way I'm sure that's the way internally that they talk but I think as a fan base we've got to start hopefully just switching on to the fact that we are a good team at this level we're not going to win every game but Right now, it looks like we're capable of being one of the one of the sort of top four or five teams in this league. And and, and if we believe that and, and get behind the team and, and travel in numbers to big away games and, and, and treat the home games as uh, as big occasions as well, then you know we want to be we want to be having these big games. Newport at home next week, I think, has, has got the potential to be a fantastic game. We know they'll travel in numbers. Hopefully, we'll have our biggest home uh, crowd of the season as well. And, and, you know, it, it, you, you could feasibly be talking nine, nine and a half thousand in there um, with a really decent away following for what is a, a game between two teams who should be absolutely top four or five at the end of the season. Obviously, it is a tough run. If we if we get out of sort of end of October and we're still in the in the top three, four five, then I'll be absolutely delighted because we're not going to go through that run at two points per game or or, or sort of undefeated realistically I can't see it um, so get through it stay stay in touch in distance and then when you come back round to a, a slightly sort of more palatable run try, try and pick up the wins here is hoping Terry that's everything from me I hope that I'll get to talk to you post Stevenage that's the plan Rich that's the plan thank you very much nice one thanks Rich that is a mad league one that was Terry. Thank you, Terry. Hey, Ben, a victory. Huzzah. We're back on winning ways. Joe asks, with a fully fit squad, is it the best in the league from what you've seen? From what I've seen, yes, I think. But I, I think um, from the, uh, from the uh, what was it, three or four, no, five games I've seen this season, two of them have been defeats. So maybe, I, I think the squad's better than most in the league. Um, I wouldn't have taken... Manage Colchester players after um, over ours, but certainly there's a, a lot of things like um, Sod's law of, of ex-players scoring and and just a, a bad day at the office and, and ball bent getting spun by Frank Noble and that sort of thing. So uh, and Northampton was like an offside goal and, and that sort of thing. So I, I don't think um, I, I haven't been sort of overly worried by anything from the Henke end of the scene, but certainly the squad looks the squad looks perfect. But I haven't seen uh, you know anything dramatic from the opposition teams that makes me makes me change my mind in that regard. As I briefly mentioned when talking to Terry, I'm really, really happy that there isn't a uh, a game in midweek this week because we are we do. I mean, one of the uh, Swindon fans put on Twitter how he how impressed he was that all the Swindon players dropped to their knees at the end of the Cambridge game. That's brilliant, but it's also a sign of a sign of how tired they are. Yeah, I mean, in Terry, Terry said in his bit that um, Isgrave has been struggling for a while and, and Wallen said in his um, post-match that Wally was playing with like a, a knee knock. So there's definitely a few sort of battered players and probably um, getting through on injections and that sort of thing. So 
a week off would be good. I'm not sure if they got a behind closed doors friendly midweek, but in a way, I'd, I'd like them to not have that because I do think they need uh, the full weeks um, sort of rest and inverted commas. They'll still have a training, of course, but hopefully they do get some some um, some rest into their into their legs that have been battered by the near constant Saturday Tuesday schedule. So, so yeah, hopefully, hopefully it's a a good a good week off um, for, for some of them, and they are as fresh as possibly can be for what will be a tough Newport game. Well, you've listened to Terry's segment and one day I'll be able to do the prep to have two people on at the same time. I've got the technology, but it it takes quite some uh, logistical uh, manoeuvring from my side of things, but it will happen eventually. Is there anything that that you want to add from the Cambridge game before we move on to other things? No, obviously I wasn't there, so I I can't comment too deeply. It seemed that Swindon were relatively comfortable and there wasn't um, anything to worry about deeply in, in that game. So, um, so yeah, we'll, we'll chalk that off as a, as a good win and a nice clean sheet for a change is always a bonus. Absolutely. OK, so there, were, there was big news during the last week, over the last couple of days, actually. I say big news. This is the sort of thing that both me and you really don't enjoy talking about because it's a lot of effort to talk about something that may never happen. And... That was through the news published by Sean Reynolds of The Advertiser a couple of days ago that a US-based company called Able had presented a final offer to purchase the club from Ownerly Power in a letter dated September the 11th. The letter, which confirms Able's offer, expired on September 18th, stated a £100,000 deposit refundable upon the offer's execution will be paid by Able. Lots of other stuff, a lot of focus on the fact that Powell would make a profit from Bogle of Derby County's exit if he was to leave Derby, something like 40% on that. Lots of this and that, lots of nice stuff said by a chap from Boston, Massachusetts, but not a lot else. At this moment in time, if the offer even exists, it's just an offer. But something that's got a lot of the fans talking, Ben. Yeah, I'm not sure if... um... How delighted they are about the the, the the offer in itself. I think a lot of, a lot of fans are clearly would be happy to just see power go by by anyone, quite frankly. So hopefully, it's a, if there is such a bid, and obviously the club deny it. Um, I, I believe the advert report, but the power has clearly insisted the club's not for sale. So hopefully, if if there is a bid and it's it's valid, then it's something fans can be happy about. But clearly, I don't think power's um, you know very insistent that he's not going to be leaving anytime soon. And so I don't think there's, there's too much to read into it, but that could age terribly within a matter of weeks or months. Maybe not if you get too excited about it just yet, but always nice that there are sort of people interested and, and people that get talking about maybe perhaps getting more invested in the club as, if power does potentially leave, but clearly a lot up in the air from, from what is just one article. Yeah, and this one article has created a lot of discussion and you can already see that the fans are divided. You've got the fans that, silently more than anything happy with Lee Power you've got fans who you know aren't the biggest Lee Power fans in the world but they're happy that you know the HMRC haven't been in touch and there's been no winding up orders and things like that you've got the fans that are fully on board with the Australian Clem Morfuni and he was at the Cambridge United game allegedly in the stands And you've got the fans who want anyone but power. So, you know, a Bond villain can come in and suddenly we've got Hank Scorpio, but, you know, um, anyone but Lee Power. And that's the thing that worries me more than anything. You know, the, the going is good on the pitch. We're united on that front. But then this sort of stuff pops up. And it may be it's it may be because we're playing well at the moment. But I want to make it clear from my side of things. I'm all for companies showing interest in buying the club and moving the club forward but at this moment in time we know very very little yeah i mean i i generally hate talking about stuff like this because we are based on the, in the entire conversation on one article and there's all sorts going on with the ownership in terms of power wants to be here for the long term by the sounds of it and then you know clem finn has got 15 percent, and whether he's happy with any um sort of bid so there's a lot up in the air and a lot that's going on behind closed doors that I really would not like to go into because I, I would not have a leg to stand on in court. So, um, so, so yeah, there's there's a lot to uh, unpack and unfortunately there is a lot behind closed doors we, we simply do not know. So, um, you know, like like I said, if any bid does come in, hopefully it's legitimate because we've seen, you know, this season more than most that it can be catastrophic with the wrong people and, and Swindon, for all of 
Power's fault. We haven't, like you said, we haven't had HMRC knock at the door. And I don't think we've ever been in any serious danger of that. So um, maybe better the devil you know and that sort of thing. But clearly, um, you know, like we've mentioned, some people will be delighted with with anyone else. So there's hope for the sum and, and, and dread for others, I'm sure. I'm all for rolling the dice, but there's got to be a bit more substance to what we've been presented so far. Yeah, and I think if Power seems happy with the club, then it's going to take a pretty substantial bid. So, um, so hopefully, it's, it's a, like I said, it's legitimate, and, and Power is happy with anything that does eventually come come his way. If it does, but um, clearly, there's a lot of parties in this, and could get messy quite soon. So, hopefully, uh, it all goes well. But there's always that sense of dread among the among the club when uh, when this sort of thing happens. I think. I think so too, but we'll move on to the next game for Swindon Town, which is next Saturday, 28th of September, and it's at home to Newport County. Michael Flynn's Newport side have experienced a little bit of a wobble recently. They've uh, recorded a loss and two draws from their last three games. They've got several decent players who can frustrate Swindon, like Paul Drick Amond and Jamil Matt, Mark O'Brien, Josh Sheehan. We have the historic head-to-head over the 90 competitive fixtures. 140, drawn 22, and lost 28. But this is a side, as they proved last season, especially in the second game, we beat them at the county ground. But I believe it was Joe Day had a fantastic game in goal for Newport. He's gone now. But this is a good side. Historically, not a good side. But right now, Flynn's really getting a tune from them over the last couple of years. Yeah, I was really hoping to take the Lincoln job because uh, I, they are they are very good um, organised defensively, and like I said, all those have got a pretty decent record against them. They have been kind of a pain in the backside for us and many others, and they got to the, the playoff final last season. So there's clearly a, a decent side there, and you know, like like I said earlier, any sort of decent team that can defend well is is getting points at Swindon. So um, even though I'm, I'm generally liking Swindon generally this season and, and everything's quite good, I'm, I'm a bit anxious going to this one more than I have been for you know Morecambe and Macclesfield. I really guess it depends on the uh, how the players are, are, are recuperating over the over the week. I mean, I, th- I think as Terry mentioned, um, if Baudry's available, which he probably isn't, then there's a there's a headache there with Fryers because Iandolo's not leaving that spot anytime soon. You'd expect Woodery to come in for Anderson, but Woodery's not a hundred percent either. So quite quite a busy week ahead for Richie Wellens. Well, yeah, I think we've touched upon in, in recent weeks that at least it's good selection headaches rather than, you know, we, we've got to chuck people in for you know, desperate times for desperate measures. So, so it's a good um, good dilemma, at least for Wellen. So that's something to be be happy about for this season, if, even if it does cause uh, social media debates and uh, and podcast headaches as well. <laughs> I'm going for a two-one win. Newport will take the lead early on, and we'll we'll get we'll get something from the game at least. But I'll go with two-one. Ben, what do you reckon? I am going to be the anxious home drop points again, but even though this is coming across as me being pessimistic, I should say that I predicted both draws for Northampton and Colchester and both of them a defeat. So in a backwards way, I was actually being optimistic. So um, I will go for a frustrating one all because even though Newport haven't been amazing this season, Mike Flynn has been um, looked at by other clubs for a reason. And like I said, he's very defensively sound and Swindon have kind of struggled against the, the better team so far. So Proving wrong again, Swindon, but um, I will go for a, a disappointing one or home draw. But um, I do think we've got a better squad and that sort of thing. So I, I've still got quite a confidence, but I will go for the I will go for the one-one. And in a final point, Swindon Town women played at the county ground today in a new incentive, and they won. So congratulations to them. Well done to them. I couldn't make it. Um, was it well attended, or do we do we, do we know the attendance for that? I haven't seen the attendance, but it's still good that the the club managed to host them yeah absolutely i think we've seen um sort of post 2012 olympics that the more um sort of coverage and and as much as uh women's was in the public eye then people will go and watch it so like i said i'm not sure of the attendance today but i think the more they get to go at proper stadiums and and are um sort of being made aware of their playing in proper stadiums and hopefully people will go and watch and we obviously had the england women here a few weeks ago and that was well attended as well so hopefully that can I can follow suit with the, the local club. Absolutely. Hey, it's that part of the pod where I say, Ben, anything else? And it's that part of the pod where I say no. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, roll on Newport and hopefully it won't be a one or draw. Hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll get back to uh, winning ways at home rather than just a uh, full stop. Fingers crossed. Ben, thank you very much. Thanks very much, Rich. Try the box to Monker. Good run by him and now Maxwell. 
The Low Strangers is proudly sponsored by the official STFC Supporters Club. The music was created by the great Matthew Kilford and the artwork was provided expertly by John Daglish. Thanks for listening. Yeah, I think and Terry mentioned himself. Yes, Sorry. open the door. <laughs> yeah. No night. No night. No night. Kiss. Come on. Sweet dreams. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.